Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giants of the Faith podcast. My name is Robert Daniels and I'm the host of this show. This is the podcast where we focus on individuals from the age of the church who've lived out their faith in a unique or interesting way. These are people who are giants in the history of Christendom, and each has earned a spot in my personal Christian Hall of Fame. Today we're examining the life of Heinrich Bullinger, the successor to Zwingli and Zurich who is sometimes referred to as the Forgotten Reformer. With this episode, we're nearing the end of our emphasis on the Reformers. After Bullinger will come Calvin, and then we'll return to looking at a broader spectrum of folks. Of course, there are tons of influential and important Reformers still on my list, so we may return to a narrow focus on them at some point in the future. I'm planning out future seasons of this podcast now, and I'm pretty excited about the direction, with God's grace, of this show. Heinrich Bullinger was born on July 18, 1504, in Bremgarten, Switzerland. His father was also named Heinrich, and his mother was Anna Weidecker. Heinrich Sr. was a Catholic priest, and Anna was his common-law wife. Now that arrangement might seem odd to you, but Heinrich Sr. paid what was known as a cradle tax to the Bishop of Constance in order to waive all penalties and punishments for this strange arrangement. Eventually, Sr. would join the Reformation, and he and Anna would formally wed in 1529. Bullinger was raised to go into the family business. His father planned for him to become a priest from the get-go. Bullinger was sent to the school of the Brethren of the Common Life in Emmerich at age 12 in 1516. Now, the Brethren were a group of Catholic priests who gave up earthly goods to live a quiet life of study, attending services, and productive labor. At this school, Bullinger read Aquinas and Scotus. He was also exposed to the new humanist tradition of the day, reading works in Latin and Greek. After three years with the Brethren, Bullinger moved on to the University of Cologne in 1519. Cologne was a natural destination for Bullinger, as both Aquinas and Scotus had taught there, and their influences were still felt in the city and in the university. But the humanism that he'd been exposed to in Emmerich had taken root. At Cologne, he read Ambrose and Augustine for himself, and they led him to read the Bible itself, a rare thing among Roman Catholics of the day. His time in Cologne also saw Bullinger exposed to Erasmus and to Luther. Bullinger was drawn to Erasmus's desire for church reform through adherence to the scriptures and his basic morality. The draw to Luther was a bit less principled. Luther's books were being burned in Cologne, and that stirred Bullinger's interest. Bullinger read Luther and also Melanchthon, and he came to believe the truth of justification through faith. He surrendered himself to the Lord, and the course of his life was forever altered. Bullinger finished his master's degree, and then returned home to Bermgarten, where he continued his studies on his own. He then took a position as the lead teacher at the Kappel Abbey near Zurich. He took the job only under the condition that he would not have to take monastic vows or be forced to attend Mass. Bullinger stayed at the school until 1528. During his time there, he taught the monks how to properly read and exegete the Bible, and the Mass there was eventually replaced with a more Protestant-type service. Many of the monks would eventually become Reformed pastors. In 1527, Bullinger took a five-month leave of absence from the Abbey to travel to Zurich, where he wanted to spend time studying Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. He began attending services led by Heydrich Swingley, and he struck up a friendly relationship with the pastor. The city council appointed Bullinger to accompany Zwingli to the Bern Disputation, where he ended up meeting Martin Bootser, Berchtold Haller, 
and other leading lights of the Reformation. Now, soon after Bullinger returned from Bern, he left Capel Abbey, and he took up a pastorate in the nearby village of Halsen. He preached his first sermon there on June 21st, 1528. Shortly after this, Zwingli invited Bullinger to accompany him to meet with Luther at the Marburg Colloquy. He declined so that he could focus on his new pastoral duties. In 1529, Bullinger's father announced his conversion to the Reformed faith. He began to reform his parish in Bremgarten, but he was met with resistance from his parishioners, and he ended up being fired. Now, younger Bullinger was invited, among others, to audition to replace his father. Bullinger's view to a call sermon inspired the churchgoers so much that they gathered up all the icons from the church and they burned them. Bullinger got the job. At this point in his life, Bullinger was 25 years old, and his thoughts turned toward marriage. And those thoughts led him to the most obvious place to find a wife, a nunnery. Bullinger heard that the convent at Otenbach had become reformed, so he traveled there in 1529 to find a woman. There he met Anna Eidischweiler, and he asked her to marry him. She agreed, and the two were wed. Eventually, the couple had 11 children, five boys and six girls, and all of the sons would go on to be reformed pastors. Heinrich and Anna returned to Bremgarten, where Heinrich began his role as a pastor. For a brief two years, Bullinger led a relatively peaceful life, pastoring his flock and writing New Testament commentaries. But that peace would not last. The Swiss Confederacy was divided. Several cantons, or states, had become reformed, but others remained staunchly Roman Catholic. Now, this came to a head in October 1531, when the Catholics declared war on the Protestants, and they attacked Zurich. Zwingli was part of the army that defended Zurich, and he was killed in the fighting. This left a huge hole in the Swiss Reformation, and Bullinger would soon fill it. After the Catholic forces forced surrender on the Protestants, Bremgarten reverted to Catholicism, and Bullinger fled to Zurich. Three days after arriving, he preached a sermon from Zwingli's pulpit. The Zurichers were so impressed that six weeks later, the city council asked Bullinger to take up Zwingli's mantle as his replacement. He was also approached by representatives from Bern and Basel to take up posts there. Bullinger agreed to stay in Zurich on the understanding that preachers there would be free to preach on any subject, and so he became the chief minister of the city and the de facto leader of the Swiss Reformation. Bullinger assumed the pulpit at the Grossmünster, the main church in the city, and he held the post for the next 44 years. For the first few years of his ministry, Bullinger worked tirelessly to strengthen the Reformed Church. The military defeat at the hands of the Catholics had shaken it. He worked to improve the working relationship and ties between the city and church leaders, believing that separation between the two was only necessary if the government was not Christian. He kept a close watch on the over 100 parishes that were under his authority, and he had a say in the pastors appointed at each one, and he worked to resolve any disputes or controversies that arose. Bullinger preached six days a week as well, for at least the first ten years of a Zurich ministry. His preaching style was verse-by-verse, book-by-book exposition, in the style of Zwingli. Through the years, he preached between 7,000 and 7,500 sermons. Bullinger was also a prolific writer. He contributed to the first Helvetic Confession, and he wrote over 125 other works, in addition to thousands upon thousands of letters, exchanged with clergy and leaders, including kings and queens, throughout the continent. 12,000 of those letters can be found at the Central Library in Zurich. 
Some of his important works include Decades, which was partly dedicated to the martyress Lady Jane Grey, The History of the Reformation, and The Diary. In 1549, Bullinger invited John Calvin to travel to Zurich so the two could work out a common understanding of the Lord's Supper. Bullinger and Calvin, as opposed to Luther, saw Christ's presence in the bread as symbolic. Calvin accepted the invitation, and the two met together on May 20th, 1549. They came to an agreement and presented to their churches a confession known as the Consensus of Zurich uniting the beliefs of the Reformed churches in the two largest cities in Switzerland. In 1561, Bullinger began writing what would become his most famous work, the Second Helvetic Confession. The confession was published in 1566. In it, Bullinger laid out his argument that the gospel that the Reformers taught was the true, ancient, and biblical faith. He said that although the Roman Catholics called it a new gospel, it actually is the eternal counsel of God who predestined from eternity to save the world through Christ. He also argued for the sufficiency of Scripture against tradition. From 1564 to 1565, waves of plague swept through Zurich, and Bullinger lost his wife and his daughter. He was also taken severely ill himself. He recovered, but he was weakened greatly, and he was affected for the rest of his life. He lived another ten years, and he died on September 17, 1575. He left a huge impression on the Reformed faith in Switzerland and beyond. And that wraps up this episode of Giants of the Faith. Thank you very much for listening and for your support. Feel free to drop me a line at podcast at giantsofthefaith.com if you have any comments or suggestions. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>